So, this is FIA Goes PC. This is episode 21. 21. 21. 21. As you can tell, he's revealed himself to you all. We're back here, and I am sitting here with the Urban Oracle, aka Shaq. Say hello. Hello. Also here with our trusted producer, while she's still here, say hello, Win. Hello. And I am your host, Rebelzen, aka Danny Hale, and we are talking about technology. We started off on FI Gets Tubed. 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 Which was, which was good. I think we did good. And we covered our video games, we covered our movies, we covered a bit of uh, domestic help for all of you guys out there hunting your new TV sets. Mm-hmm. We told you as it is. From the industry standpoint, so now we're going to stretch technology as far as we can stretch it and hopefully entertain you all. I've got a riveting question to end this. You're going to love this, but I will save that for later. Right now, I'm going to start off with some of the trending things that are happening in the world right now. California, for example, has announced 2020 will be the launch of an Uber flying taxi. This is right. What? Yeah, it looks like a big drone. Okay. Yeah. Is it for delivering items or people? No, he picks people up at uh, what looks like a weird hangar in Los Angeles. They've got a lot of pre-visualization going on. And it looks like a massive drone picks you up and drops you off in LA. In the air. It yeah. flies you into yeah, the air. It won't drop you off in the air. <laughs> It'll land and yeah. drop you off. Yeah, but these flying taxis are happening. Uber is trying to develop it. I'm not that impressed because actually I think we already have Uber helicopters in Hong Kong. Oh, really? Yeah. I remember oh. getting an email saying either they're doing it or they're planning to do it. So. Well, I think this is fully automated. Oh. So it doesn't have a human driver. Oh, yeah. That's a bit creepy. That's a bit scary. So if there's a malfunction or I accidentally dro- uh, spill my, my uh, Fanta. <laughs> oh, no, the, the interior is fine. Okay. I've seen the interior. Yeah. But they're trying to launch these, I think, by 2020. Mm. And it's good in Los Angeles because uh, all of our American listeners listening in right now, hi. Um, it's the kind of thing that I think America is trying to get full ahead of the curve. And often with technology, which is the conversation... They kind of do that quite yeah. a lot. I think between America and Japan, all of the innovation comes from those two nations. Britain's pretty good, mm. but we're more hands-on. We're more the engineering, engineering type. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Steam, oil, that sort of thing. And vacuum cleaners. Yeah, James Dyson. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. And other such riveting things. We, we are quite innovative. We've done a lot in... Uh, we designed the iPhone. Oh, did we? We did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Steve, Steve Jobs sold it. We designed it. Okay. Yeah, we've done a lot for NASA. We've done a lot of engineering. Although Britain's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Usually it's uh, America that has the funding. Yeah. And the people they hire. Yeah. A lot of them are British. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, because we like to... We, we make stuff, mm-hmm. you see. Mm-hmm. But our innovations are quite... We're quite academic in our sort of creations, I suppose. America's more... Razzmatazz, fun, yeah, streamers, flashy, and yeah. Japan's outright crazy, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, it's true. They go for the, the strangest things, and one of those things I'll talk about in a moment. <laughs> yes, you will, I'm sure. <laughs> but the flying taxi in mm. Los Angeles, I think it's a great idea. Mm. Um, it's a great idea up until the point where it becomes so heavy yeah. 
that you're going to have LA traffic in the sky. Can you imagine? Yeah, that's one thing that I was worried about. Like, because so many people take Ubers right now, mm. if that same amount of people decide to take a, a flying Uber, won't there be so yeah. much going on in the sky that people will barely be able to see? But as an or... automated system, that mm. actually is quite an amazing mm. thing, really. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's cool. And my segue from that was always going to be the Dyson-built electric car that's meant to be coming out sometime. James Dyson's pulling resources, trying to create an electric car. Right. He's saying that his technology is going to be from the ground up. Mm. So it's going to be like, it's not going to be like Tesla. It's not going to be like a hybrid. It's not going to be like anything we currently have. It's going to be brand spanking you. And yeah. um, probably suck you in a cyclone when you... <laughs> and clean your roads as it goes along. Imagine. That would actually be really cool. Yeah. <laughs> so... You know, lots of things going on in technology right now. We are in that kind of area where certain ideas that we should have by now mm. haven't happened. We haven't got hover cars. We definitely don't have a hoverboard. Whatever passes as a hoverboard these mm. days, it isn't. It's not. No. no, no, no. If it has wheels and it touches the ground, it's not a hoverboard. Yes, and we just want to put this out there for yeah. people who are stupid. It's a segue without the stick. That's exactly. what it is. Yeah. Exactly. It's not hovering. It's no. rolling. Exactly. <laughs> but one of the most amazing things I've seen, and I believe it was actually in LA, was one of these motorized scooters that became quite a trend out there. Do you remember? Because I just thought someone was really... Because LA is all about fitness. So when you're by the beach in Los Angeles, mm. you always get the fitness freaks coming through, yeah. you know. Yeah. And suddenly I see the scooter and it's just bombing past. And I'm like, man, that guy's real determined. And then I realized both of his feet are on the thing <laughs> and he's driven along by a motor. He's wearing yeah. full business outfit. And I was like, man, this is crazy. Mm-hmm. But California invented something. It's always been a curiosity to me. Because they invented, it was like an infomercial. Mm-hmm. And I think it was linked to an all-state insurance or something like this. It came on quite late at night, but it kept running for a couple of months while we were out there. And it was these two guys, indie guys, that had developed a, a van, transit van engine running on vegetable oil. Mm. And the thing that baffles me is, where's that gone? Because that technology to me would have been the supreme leader because can you imagine if you walk down the street and every car smells like potato chips <laughs> it's amazing yeah that would be really cool that would be good yeah but we're just doing the infolithium battery instead the mm-hmm. electric car so yeah. everyone's really in a hyped up remote control car yeah because there's no profit in vegetable oil apparently not in cars yeah but i don't see when you have and it was a thing that i was talking about with win off camera really but if you think about Infolithium, the resource of it, they're building this thing in Australia, which is like this huge cell battery. Mm. There's like these battery farms, um, literally, literally a battery farm. <laughs> <laughs> All our vegan friends out there, I'm not talking chickens, I'm talking a <laughs> battery farm, literally. And it's basically this huge area. It's yeah. like massive amounts of it, like over a thousand plus acres, mm. 10,000 plus or something like this crazy amount. So it's this huge stretch of land. And they're basically mining uh, the lithium and, and storing all of these huge super sites, really, for battery and energy and all of this stuff. Mm. And it makes me concerned that the price on lithium is going to skyrocket. It's going to represent oil. Yeah. And we're going to be in similar territory where it's come countries vying over yeah. power of the lithium. monopoly of yeah. Yeah. And, and I think this is why the vegetable thing didn't, work because as you quite rightly said when there's no money in it 
really, for, for the people to profit off. But isn't green all about not profiting? Shouldn't it all be about just benefiting the planet? Yeah, I mean, yeah. the fact that we have generations and generations that are going to be coming after us that will benefit from this should be profit alone yeah. instead of just wonder, uh, worrying about money now. Well, this is the thing. It's like... Um, Find the investors to sell that to, though. I mean, exactly. you need the money to make well, it work. I think to, the, I think the concept is, and it's where technology is then running its, it, into these... T- these areas all the time um, because the areas that I'm talking about with green technology is kind of like when you have solar panels in most of the countries of the world you get subsidized from the government because you're contributing to your energy you know etc yeah. etc maybe a tax break but you're definitely getting some kind of monetary reward scheme for it and I think that part of eco-friendly anything is the idea that we're furthering the planet we're going forwards with it so yeah. From the sheer legitimacy of when we all have default electric cars, the energy levels that it's going to require to power these cars, to charge the batteries, it's going to be massive, yeah. huge, you know. Mm-hmm. And my thing is, well, you got to look at the spectrum of technology out there, what we can use, you know. Can we use wind turbines? Can we use hydroelectricity? Can we use vegetable oil? Why aren't these things being assessed and done? We're seeming to set on one concept. Mm. And it's just curious to me. I'm I'm almost thinking, well, if you want to convince the world of climate change, you know, alternatives and how we can fix the problem, because it is a problem. It's definitely a problem. I think you can't refute it, despite many people trying to. Say it isn't that big a deal, right? Just say that to the, to stay neutral. It still is important that we try and do something for the planet. You know, yeah. we've got to give back and we've got to make these fumes deplete because they're not mm. good. I mean, they're a major cause of cancer and heart attacks and all kinds of crazy stuff. So yeah. why can't we just think less about profit and more about what's right? Mm. You know, be moralistic rather than monetary. I'm just saying. I think there is a change happening, though, because I was looking at the... Um, uh, Forbes 30 under 30 like mm. list for this year and a lot of them are socially aware and they are trying to uh, solve a specific problem yeah. like uh, poverty or yeah. you know certain health issues and their profit you know they're making money off it mm. but they're also helping the world so it isn't that you know well development or uh, invention or innovation mm-hmm. that's always areas for money to yeah. come in but it's how you reinvest that you see yes and I think that most people don't reinvest. They take the money and run. Yeah. And I think that's the problem we got to solve is there's always got to be a reinvestment, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. But that is, that's, we're getting a bit political there. Yeah? <laughs> Let's get back to technology. <laughs> get back to technology. So basically there's these things because in the headlines, when you're reading through all the trends, and that's what I try and do to keep these podcasts interesting, the green issue is huge. Like climate change is a big deal. There's actually a separate conglomerate now trying to keep America in the Paris Agreement, all of these things. And because it is about green technology, I think the point that I'm trying to say is like, prove yourselves to be as eco-friendly and as climate aware as you want to be by making this non-profit really, because yeah. that's that makes sense, eh? You know, mm-hmm. if you are profiteering off what is good for us, that's moralistically kind of sketchy. Mm. I mean, at least it isn't 
selling poison to everyone. So that's, that is good. <laughs> you know, that is an improvement. But yeah. I'm just saying, if anyone's listening and you're involved in the green movement, it, it was always good to kind of keep it at a fair sort of trade and mentality, really. Mm-hmm. So, any tech, as you were talking about Japan. Yeah, yeah. So um, I hear every now and again the weirdest things come out of Japan. Uh, one thing that I heard a few months ago was that they had created a robot that was really, really difficult to tell from a human person. Yeah. This robot was very, very uh, sort of, um, his, the body movements were fluid, so kind of like when, how I'm moving my arms. Everything was very uh, uh, characteristic, and it had gestures as if it was a real person. But well, it was actually a robot. Well, this that, has been going on for, I mean, this has been going on for the eight, since the 80s. There was a boom in, uh, well, Japan leads in yeah. robotics. Mm, mm. Um, and... It's interesting, Shep, because in in the uh, parallels in their fiction, mm. it's always been on the on yeah. their mind. Yeah, we've got to get robots that yeah. are lifelike out as soon as possible, like mm. slaves and servants and maids and anyone doing menial jobs. Mm. There was a fascinating thing back way way back. Mm. It was late eighties, early nineties, where they had this robot that could conduct an orchestra and it could mm. behave to every song and it could pick it up on senses and all this stuff. Every year they're building on that. Yeah. And it is quite crazy. There's actually a documentary. I think it just recently came out on Netflix, but it was NHK that ran it when we were in Hong Kong. And it's a, it, it's of the same subject, but it was like this one guy who lived with a bunch of like, well, dodgy robots. That's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> Ultra realistic and very dodgy. And it literally, you walked into his house. He had like 13 of them. And yeah. in a Japanese like Tokyo apartment, which is tiny. Yeah. It's like about, I don't know, 700 square feet, if that. And he's got about 13 of these girls, mm-hmm. like female mm-hmm. robots. I am trying to be as PC as I can be for everyone who's listening. <laughs> but he had them all dressed up, you know, yeah. in their best, whatever. <laughs> But they had, like, extra spares hanging from the ceiling, like, arms and legs and that heads and stuff. Scary. And it literally looked like you'd walked into, like, Manson's dream house, you know? It was, like, proper messed up. I think that's uh, one extreme of how technology, including the internet, can yeah. actually make us more closed off from mm-hmm. society, mm-hmm. in a sense. Yeah, well, I, I mean, it's really interesting because Japan, as a nation... And we always talk in the East and West all the time. But basically, Japan as a nation, it's always been that extremely social place. You know, there's so much, like karaoke is an invention mm-hmm. for for socializing, you yeah. know. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so many things in Japan, like a lot of their um, culture and when they go out for business means everything's an activity. And it's almost like that school because they do a lot of clubs and extracurriculum clubs in Japan. It's almost like they keep that going into the working environment. Yeah. Reunions. Well, staff and all of this. You go out drinking with your boss and all, you know. But it's that kind of thing. And so it's quite weird how you get that juxtaposition of on one side, there's this huge social push um, with so many areas. And then you get the neat culture, which is like the lock ins. Mm. And then you get, of course, these crazy, weird reliances on technology. Strange. Mm-hmm. Uh, what does NEET stand for? N E E T. I think it's not in education or employment. I I don't know what it breaks down to, but yeah. it's hikikomori. Yeah. Uh, which is a lock-in. It's someone who locks themselves in, socially withdraws, mm-hmm. and it can either be fanboy mentality where they're just playing video games or watching anime or mm-hmm. whatever it is, movies, whatever. But they just lock themselves away and live in derelict lives, and I so the world if passes it's also, by. Um, 
case of autism for certain people. No, it's, it, I think it's usually a mental situation, like the pressure of life, and they want Created to avoid it. Created by society. Yeah, I mean, it, it's. I would say it's possibly on the spectrum of depression yeah. mm-hmm. more than anything else. And I think that it's a real thing. I mean, it expands in every culture. Um, you could say that our crazy cat ladies here are <laughs> lock-ins or whatever. You know, not that there's anything wrong with crazy cat ladies, if anyone's (laughs) listening. But basically, I think it's just a culture where it's, um, you know, you've got a severe situation in Japan where, well, in Asia as a whole, where to have depression is seen as society doesn't accept that yet, you know. I mean, Japan's a little bit more liberal with it than, say, Hong Kong, where it's completely, no, that's a big taboo. But it's almost like that pride thing, the social pride. So I feel like, it's a result of that, but it's also a result, I think, of people just being weighed down with their items and their objects, you know, mm. and just it, it becomes a habit form and an addiction, really. Mm. We do have that. We have like game addiction. Um, we talked about that yeah. with Shaq before, but I think technology, because it's becoming so um, immersive mm. that when you have certain things like visual things or whatever, it does raise the question, what's the need? We can order everything in. We don't need to go out. We can work online now. We can educate ourselves online now. What's the point of going outside? And in today's world where we're preached hostility in the news and all of this stuff, you're almost looking at it like, yeah, why why bother? You know, just live on Amazon, you know, (laughs) whatever. Like the amount of times you hear on the news that somebody, oh, some people were just out and somebody randomly came up to them with a knife or an axe or whatever yeah. and just killed them yeah. they were mentally unstable and they, they just killed them it's just like well should i go out yeah, today yeah. like it's just it never it doesn't happen often well, but i think it doesn't happen but like i think it's important to say and just to state that wherever i go in yeah. this world right now yeah. and i've got the comparison i've got the contrast of life mm. i can tell you it's a lot better than it was mm. we're easing off i think that there's a really good quote um that came about where it's sort of in times of war a father buries his son mm. and in times of peace a son buries a father right mm. it's the same thing really we're, we're living in this world of peace as crazy as it might seem in nucleuses especially through the media we're actually living in a time of peace mm. and every little detail is being focused on and that little detail makes us panic yeah mm. someone drops off in a yacht gets eaten by a shark can't swim again mm. but before it was like yeah <laughs> that's what happens you know it's like Three Navy ships blow up, World yeah. War II, no one bats an eyelid now. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. We're kind of distorting our realities. Mm-hmm. That's another point of technology, yeah. how media is changing. You know, it's really crazy. Like, you go back to, um, you know, the Gulf War, which is when I was at school, and the Gulf War was reported, but you'd see the odd bit here and there. And now, yeah. whenever there's a conflict, you're getting like six thousand camera angles you got sky news with a million different channels yeah. it doesn't matter if it's sky i mean in america it's the same with fox with cnn how many broadcasters how yeah. many channels we kind of touched upon that in world domination mm. um check it out on youtube it's the first one yeah well then it's good plug for us but basically like i think when you're saying about technology the mindset is changing and it's yeah. almost like we're relying on technology really to tell us what's going on. The internet's a huge part yeah. of this. The internet is educating as well as it's lying and myth, mm-hmm. myths forming. Mm-hmm. Open source, no one really understands that. It's open source, subject to change. There are editors. 
we are losing the fact that we used to flick through books to get information. We're yeah. now finding it on the internet. Mm -hmm. The dictionary, for example, is adding crazy stuff into the English language, you know? It's all quite conflicting now. So we have, you know, the world of knowledge at our fingertips, but now it makes us question it. And you're going to say something about your theory of knowledge, aren't you? No, 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 no. I was just going to say that on Twitter, they've rolled out the um, increase in characters yeah, recently. Yeah, and uh, I saw someone tweet, if everyone's going crazy about like this increase at like 280 characters, what are they going to do when they discover books? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's true, it's true. But the thing is, as a little side note, when I scroll through Twitter, that is actually really strange. Seeing paragraphs mm. when I used to only see like a few texts, yeah. it's, it's strange. Well, soon it'll be yeah. Facebook. <laughs> so, you know, we've all moved on, haven't we, to go backwards. But I think that's a, another important thing we're talking about social media itself. As a technology, it's kind of... I mean, it's really changing the landscape. Yeah. I mean, when we were kids, we are the last, I think, generation that will ever know what it's like to write a letter to your pen pal in a different country or mm. something. Or your mates, when you go on holiday as a kid and you write back to your friends because you had parents that forced you. Yeah. Or even what a postcard was or yeah, any, yeah. any of this stuff. It's yeah. all basically become extinct yeah mm -hmm. i mean now everything is just a phone you know, call away a text away exactly well exactly. i mean shaq's on the cusp because he's it, you've stepped that you've emerged from the internet you know i don't think you know what life was like mm. before the internet really no, no you know exactly exactly before so, we had skype when yeah. i was in the uk i had to buy these um telephone cards that had credit on them and type in like a million numbers before yeah. I could get connected. Yeah. Oh, okay. It was so annoying. <laughs> well, we had we had one uh, listed. I mean, this came in later in my life. I was starting, I was 18 when this was introduced, but we had a list of these international numbers mm -hmm. with country codes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And because I'd started to get, you know, friends in, in New York and places like this, I was phoning regularly because our band was playing or whatever. And I had to list through all of these country codes and... Man, it's it, it's really crazy. You know, I think one thing, you, and even us, we take this for granted because we transitioned. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I can go through this and go, man, my life was crazy. <laughs> I still remember the phones the dialing, that you dial yeah. around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is nothing. My mom <laughs> mm. remembers when they had to go to a board and yeah. they plugged your phone in. And we've mm -hmm. actually, in Birmingham, there's mm. still some of the BT calling centers that mm. you can still see. They're derelict buildings nowadays. Yeah. But these are where people would plug and connect your phones. Okay. You know? Yeah. You have one cable, mm. almost like an amp and a guitar, and you pull it out and stick yeah. it in another slot to oh, connect. Oh, so that it will go to yeah. the other... Oh, Crazy, okay. isn't it? Yeah, because um, I remember seeing it uh, on TV and stuff like that. People would call up... Well, I think they called it the operator... And then, the, exactly. and then yeah. the operator will say, who would you like to talk to? Yes, and then yes. you'd say... We still have that. We still have that in um, with me. It was like, you could do reverse charge course. Yeah. So we'd get... The, this is before mobile phones. So if I was out with my mates at night and I needed a lift back, <laughs> we'd gone on too long or something like this, I'd have to go to a phone booth. I had no money left. Mm. Probably 10p, but I needed 20 because I'd just raised the prices or whatever. Yeah. Crazy, isn't it? And then I would uh, have to reverse charge call and you had go through an operating board on that. So we still had them. And we had, uh, it's just, it's so weird. Like television, you know, when you grow up with a black and white TV, the yeah. old rubbish ones with this crappy aerial, like you can't even <laughs> have to flick it. That yeah. was my life when mm -hmm. I was a kid. Back in the day when you when the TV would have a bit of static and you'd have to smack you it. Give it a good whack, yeah. <laughs> and then we had, fix, the, fix. we had the color tube ones. 
and then you'd have to like press buttons to ch- uh, to you know track the channels and all of this stuff like a radio station almost mm-hmm. and that that went on and it's it's just mad and then at VHS you know, recording shows and man it's crazy and you just think like in my lifetime that seems like I seem like a museum you know mm-hmm. I'm I'm talking to you and it's like yeah, yeah. The, a lot of the things that people go to museums to see, you've lived it. So yeah. Just like, you know, without being disrespectful. You gotta, no, no, I've got to be honest. How sad are they? <laughs> That's their museum. You know, we were talking about Carbon Day and Once Upon a Time. But anyway, mm-hmm. so we're just moving like, like technology. And it's, it's mad because one thing we were talking, again, is like how technology was taught to us at school. I mean, Shaq will never go through this. You, you was, would have had the... Um, IT lessons. Yeah. Right. But for us, I'm not even kidding. Mm. IT used to be, because we didn't have computers, you see. Mm. We had one, and it was wheeled in on a car. And, yeah. that, you know, and when they started networking, which was my last two years of high school, I had a networking mm. uh, system mm. of really prehistoric Macs, you know. Yeah. And I had the network. And we were taught how to use the internet, you know, like the first... But really basic stuff. Can I just butt in? Because, yeah, sure. Because obviously we had technology a bit earlier than Yeah, well, you so still when, do, eh? When I was in primary school, we had, like, this computer room. It was, like, in the basement. So mm. it was, like, we didn't even have the facilities. But we had a room that had a bunch of Acorn computers. Yeah, we, we had that in and my junior school. IT class was basically a bunch of us playing the 8-bit game of Lemmings. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Which was the same for us. <laughs> that was that was IT class. We were on Lemmings too, cool. though. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is floppy disks when you had the really yeah, wide, yeah. literal floppy this ones. This is before internet hard ones. as well. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's, it's really fascinating when you think because we were taught, like, our first IT lesson when we didn't have computers was telling you about health and safety in an office mm-hmm. where the bins, where you had these little drawings and you had to show all the dangers that could have happened and transpired in an office, you know, as yeah. if we're prepping for office life. Yeah. Then it became computers later. Mm-hmm. I still remember the first edition of Cubase or a program in music. It was, it's like, it just seems ancient, you know. Mm-hmm. But then... And this is the important thing. For a decade in the 80s, you had about three or four innovations. And then so many things piled up on it. You know, everyone was competing to, to race forwards. The 90s, funding drifted, but you still had this crazy, massive innovation. Now we just have well, we, updates. We have the uh, dot-com bubble in that yeah. time as well. But, but we, well, the internet was massive mm-hmm. in the 90s. That was pretty much the 90s. But when you talk about today, we're talking technology is now updated. It's not necessarily innovating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like same phone, but the next one. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. it's mad. It sort of hit that peak and now it's just drifting really. Mm-hmm. And even Hong Kong, which again, when I go, we sort of mentioned this on YouTube earlier, but when you're talking about mini discs, be it like, the evolution of the tape cassette. Mini discs, when I was 15 in Hong Kong, that was business. It took ages for them to come out here. It was mm-hmm. another couple of years before they were sort of here. And then they weren't. You know, mm-hmm. it did drift off really quick. But when you think about the innovation in Hong Kong at the time, because of Japan being so close to it, Japan is like, I mean, like I said, as far as commercial innovation, it's one of the world leaders and it always blows your mind what Japan can do. Yeah. But it's almost like they would push through Hong Kong as a test territory and then it completely neutralized. Like now, I think the world is 
getting the same mm-hmm. stuff at the same pace, yeah. which is quite radical, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. When I came to England, I had a mobile phone. It was like my, one of my first mobile phones. And a lot of people are like, oh, technology is so much more advanced and cheaper in Hong Kong. But what I've found is that it's not cheaper. You might get a phone for the same price as you would in England, but it's about two or three generations ahead of its time. Yeah, yeah. this so. is if it's not Mac. Apple stuff is standard wherever you are in the world. Yeah. That's an important thing. This is, thing this to is say. when I was in uni, so it's a yeah. little while. Past. No, it is changing. I mean, one of the things that were fascinating was that Nokia, when it was the biggest brand of phone you could get, yeah. mm-hmm. was way ahead of the world in Ukraine and, and that area because it was developed in Finland. So Europe or Eastern Europe used to get all of the innovation before the rest of the world. And we'd get drifting down and it was it used to be like that territories were so weird like spain would hit a lot of hong kong imports and a lot of stuff coming in from china that was fake even then like gimmick (laughs) game boy games like you'd get about 500 on one cartridge and Mm -hmm. you press this button and switch the game yeah it was mad we wouldn't bootleg heaven you know when you mentioned nokia just made me think of that nokia phone that that comes up on memes like Mm. The unbreakable phone. Yeah, the you, can just, you just throw it across the room and it's totally fine. Yeah. Unlike the phones today. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think they might have done that on, on purpose to a certain extent. What they've done, because like Nokia, they made that phone to marketers on indestructible. You can do anything with it. Nothing will happen with it. Now, if let's say iPhone or Samsung did that, they'd lose money because nobody would buy another phone. Yeah. Everybody would just stay at that well, phone. Well, that's a good point, Shaq. And it's also the point that says... Once upon a time, mobile phones, especially then, every single handset was different. Mm. There was nothing that looked the same. You could get different brands. There was loads of branding, mm. loads of different brands, loads of different developers, and they all had their own gimmick, Yeah. right? But the thing that's really fascinating about this is the fact that everything's neutralized to one yeah. established shape, size, and everything's unilateral. Yeah. It's changed the game really big time. Mm, it just it's, seems like everybody's just decided, okay, this is the best way to do a phone. Let's just do it like this. Yeah. Like, well, it's, before, it's what it was people like, want. Exactly. You know. Exactly. Before it was like flip phone, uh, flip phone. So it was slide phones. It was phones that combined touch screen with buttons. It was just buttons. It was. Uh, but the screen was really, really nice. It was tons of different things. And like you were saying, there was tons of different brands to it. But now it's just standardized, which is a good thing and a bad thing at the same time. Well, it's it's interesting because now there is literally no difference between a phone, an iPad and a laptop, mm. really. Mm. No, um, no. Because laptops now don't have CD drives. Yeah. It's all USB RAM. Mm. Everything's intermingling, but you just get a smaller screen. But mm-hmm. everything is literally the same sort of thing. Yeah. And that's quite fascinating too, because I was always... It took me ages and ages and ages to get my head around an iPad, because mm-hmm. I just thought it's a phone with a bigger screen. What's mm-hmm. the point? Yeah. You know, yeah. like that's a con right mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. And to fact that most people in business somehow need a phone, an iPad, and a computer. Yeah. No, you don't. You really, truly don't. Yeah. And then the stupider thing that yeah. came out after that is that they're like, well, let's do the pad that's a laptop and can be a phone. Yeah. Right. But why when you've got a phone that mm-hmm. does both, you know? It's, it's basically mad. what you said about progression, where in the 80s and 90s, it was like something changing to something else, cassette to MD to yeah. CD yeah. to DVD, whatever. Whereas now it's like... From one touch screen to a bigger touch screen to yeah. a smaller to a curved screen. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I mean, like, it literally is just a slight gimmick mm-hmm. on what you've got, and everything's just an updated version of that. 
one thing that I thought was really cool to point out actually is that when we were in the 90s, a lot of technology, be it computers, uh, phones and all of this stuff, when they were becoming a standard, they would be iconized in a film. The Matrix had a certain style of Nokia, that you know, yeah. Mission Impossible had a certain laptop. These things were really counter-branded. Like James Bond, more recently, the first ever one, Casino Royale, had a Sony. LinkedIn Sony, yeah. yeah. Um, but you've got to think about this because now it's almost impossible. So now a lot of developers, especially the movie industry, they don't endorse something like that anymore because it's so standardized. Mm -hmm. And that's part of the fun, I feel. Part of the mythology is like, and it's it was really sellable. I mean, I'm not really about this with corporate selling, but it was really sellable. I want James Bond's phone. Yeah. You know, yeah. I want Neo's phone for the Matrix. It's a special phone. It's not like the standard. It's this whole unique brand, you know. Mm -hmm. It's not like that anymore. So... It's funny, and we always see um, Mac endorsements in most movies, and now they're putting these stickers on the back of a Mac to not show you it's a Mac, yeah. or an HP, or a Dow. They all have stated, every stylized thing is the same. Dow looks like Mac, Mac looks like Dow, you know, everything's one and the same, and mm -hmm. I find that sad. Mm -hmm. You know, it's quite a sad thing, because you've lost that solo innovation, that thing that can push the field. Mm -hmm. So... The concept of all of this, really, with technology and stuff like this, where we push forwards, we're talking about Japan, we're talking about the UK. The UK has been massive in aerodynamics as yeah. well. We're big here, and that's one thing that I was... I always want to argue this. Like, why haven't planes evolved? I mean, we've seen massive leaps in cars. We've seen massive... We're talking about flying taxis. We're talking about all <laughs> of these techs. Yeah. Why aren't planes different? Don't you feel like... They're, they've always been the same, quite contained. You know, you've got your business class. That's got evolved. That's gone massive. But I'm waiting for the plane. It's kind of like when you're on a, a ferry going to Ireland or France and you can get up, walk around, have a meal. You know, wh why isn't there that plane? I'm waiting for teleportation. So am I. Oh, God. <laughs> that's that's no. the thing I love in Dragon Ball. See, yeah, no, this is a thing I'm going to say. Teleportation is a bad idea. Just watch the movie, The Fly, and you'll understand it. Proper spooky stuff. Because, and this is a really good thing, because it'll happen one day, teleportation. But my problem with teleportation is, um, if they can break it down to molecular structure mm. and then rebuild you, what proof have you got that you're the same thing? You see, it's it it's like it something to me, it's, must have changed. Yeah, no, nah, there's the some, there's something wrong with that. Yeah. But I'm just throwing it out there because I'm a technophobe, obviously. <laughs> I mean, teleportations freak me out, man. Yeah. I mean, but, there's, uh, there's no yeah. real way that they can actually say nothing changed in your yeah. body. I mean, you, maybe your sense of taste or smell. Well, if you know anything, I mean, just a boy, but if you know anything about quantum physics, it's yeah. absolutely impossible to teleport you because you break yourself down to that level and yeah. you will join into something else, which mm -hmm. is what The Fly is actually about. Very oh. good film, very scary film, but very good. Jeff Goldblum, brilliant. That's Didn't need a lot of makeup either. <laughs> Mm. That's another he way just of weird. becoming one with the world. Well, yeah, no, the, the idea in the fly, and I'm glad we're segueing to this, is that he gets into the teleport and there's a fly in, in the thing and his molecules mix and then he gradually turns into this massive monster. Yeah, proper spooky. So that's why it's a bad idea, kids. Okay. Yeah. So I'm going to end this soon because we've got to wrap up because everyone's got to go home, including Shaq, who's still moving to Mars. My time shares. <laughs> But in my wrap-up, I'm just going to say, 
my, my question to you all, if there is an invention on Earth that you think legitimately could be developed or invented by an alien, what would the invention be? And that goes to the group. Uh, invented by an Yeah, if there is one thing that you just don't think a human could conjure up, so it has to be invented by an alien, what would it be? What I would have said was a unified device that allows you your voice... No, it has to exist. It has to exist. Yeah, pretty or exist. Exist. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, this kind of does it then. All because right. um, <laughs> I saw an article uh, that Google had made, like a, a device, but I, don't, I can't remember if it was a phone or anything, that when you spoke into it, it changed the language that you spoke. So the next person that didn't understand English could understand what you were saying. Now... I don't know how true it is. I don't know how far they've gone in development. Like an instant translator. Exactly, right. exactly. But um, they said that it took like about a minute or so, but it was nearly real time. Like you spoke into it and then it happened. Mm. Like uh, say for me and you, I'd speak English to you and then it will come out as uh, Chinese so that you'd be able to understand it mm. in the strain of Chinese that you speak. See, that's, that can also be done with algorithms. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I can actually see the coding in that in my brain because I've got a genius head. <laughs> so I am an alien, so nice to meet you. <laughs> the only thing is that because language is actually evolutionary and mm. language changes over time, yeah. so it would they would to have to change the Yeah, no, they would. Yeah. It'd be in constant development. But yeah. it's possible, I think. Mm. I think it's possible. Because mm. with voice activation and stuff like this, it'd have to be monitored and it'd have to be programmed. So... I mean, it's algorithms. Language is algorithms, believe it or not. And I feel, I feel like something like that could actually have a massive good impact on the human race because it would just unify people. Well, it would be, it'd be the thing in uh, <laughs> Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh, uh, yeah, Babelfish. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is actually a language course that you can take worldwide. Oh, yeah, okay. it's very good. If you haven't read Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, you should. It's mm. basically a little fish that you put in your ear and you can understand all the languages around you. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, or just watch the film, show, as all of us cool kids do. It's a pretty good film. Must but but in it. literature, though. <laughs> yeah, 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 it'd be good. But that's your thing. You could be right. It could mm-hmm. be developed. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's quite advanced. When have you got any thoughts? I don't actually understand the question. So if you could pick an invention, any invention in the world that's pre-established right now, that's either accelerated beyond imagination, you know, or whatever, that you you would think has to be invented by an alien. It can't be invented by one of us. It has to be a leap. It has to be invented by an alien. Do you want an example before you give me yours? Like basically something that you never thought would ever exist, but now it does. Oh. Yeah. So I it has to be invented by I, an alien. I understand, Shrek. Well, that's because it's the urban oracle. <laughs> Thank you for translating. <laughs> So, have you got anything? Because you're muted. <laughs> well, there is actually there is actually a conspiracy theory, you see. You've all heard about Area 51. Uh, right. Yeah. I've been very close to where the site is mm. in Nevada. Wait, like, didn't you come... Didn't you, when yeah, you I came there? from there. That's right, that's right. <laughs> I, I came through the cracks, yeah. Hatched, hatched. Hatched. But it. basically, what it was, it's a sealed off area. There's a lot of speculation. It's a military site, and there's a lot of speculation because it's a military site... I mean, it's sealed off. Like, it's kind of on the brink between uh, Utah and and Nevada. And there is this huge, almost like 100-mile circumference, I want to say, area fenced off. And if you go past the fence, you're shot in sight. Mm. You can't see anything. 
it's basically one of these areas in the desert where the military says, do not trespass yeah. and all this stuff, and it's sealed off. And there is this huge belief. It actually spawned the idea of the film Independence Day, mm-hmm. lots of conspiracy theories and all of this stuff. But there was a theory that said quite a long time ago that this stealth bomber, original concept stealth bomber, was actually developed by aliens because there's no way we could have leapt from our conventional concepts to that, right? It was a massive leap. In the time it was built as well, the technology was just super advanced. The thing looks, it's in triangular format, you know, like a kite almost. And it's just, it doesn't look like a plane that we would make. There's a lot of these theories that um, the military is working with aliens testing new aircraft and that these are the areas that it does it. So it's a huge thing in a conspiracy circuit. That's a good example, like something that we just didn't have and then we had, you know, because like I was saying, planes haven't developed. By now, you'd think that we'd see Boeing would be doing stuff that's crazy different. We'd have a flat plane that you could walk around just like you do when you're on a ship. Like a super mole, it flies, you know. We haven't seen any leaps in, in like our agents aerodynamics. Like of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, 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 exactly. Well, that plane's sort of based yeah. on the bomber. So the concept of that shape, which, I'm, I mean, someone can correct me, I think was developed late 80s. And if you consider what we had at the time, the F-15 series and all of these planes, I think it was even earlier. It could have been the 70s. It was such a leap of change that everyone was dumbfounded by it. So different, so radically different. There are a few things in in our technological advancements that seem to be that much a leap. For example, the robot that I was talking about in Japan. Yeah. It's massive. These leaps, you know. So when we have a status quo... And then something in the status quo leaps, spikes in, in, in innovation. It's arguable it could be developed by aliens because we can come up with it. So is there anything you can think of? And don't say Ben and Jerry's ice cream because <laughs> you could be right. That's really weird. <laughs> Fish food. I think the thing that disturbs me in terms of you know what you're saying in terms of a technological advancement is um, DNA and cloning issues. Like where you can choose what DNA your baby has mm-hmm. or remove. I mean, the idea, the positive idea is that you can remove uh, hereditary diseases or yeah. that kind of thing, but yeah. that's only half a step away from a Crea- designer baby. Yeah, creation, know? yeah. Yeah, so to me that's... So that, that that's interesting. Chromosomes, I wasn't expecting that's actually proper sci-fi stuff right there. I mean, it's happening. Mm-hmm. Like it sickles, happening. like, um, what is it, stem cell research mm-hmm. and things yeah. like this and... Yeah, like, that's Fifth Element territory, that is. Mm. Like, I don't know if you remember Fifth Element, but they literally reprint a arm at one point mm. with stem cell tech. Man, yeah, that's pretty creepy, eh? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I was just going to say craft design technology classes. <laughs> because in craft design technology classes, and the reason that I believe it was invented by aliens at school, is because we couldn't do any of it. We had to have it demonstrated. So you had the, the heat treatment stuff. And it takes an alien to come up with this concept of a class, craft design technology, where you build stuff yourself with your hands, but you get you get to watch it being done for you. All the cool stuff. We get to use hammers and nails and, you know, stuff like this, but we never did the cool stuff. Is that you taking shots at your school then? That is me taking that stuff. Yeah, well, they're all run by aliens, my school, for real. Yeah. I remember making a really cool um, marble maze mm. with wood. Oh, I remember yeah. we worked with wood and acrylic. Yeah. In, uh, Have you seen what kids are doing now in the in the area? Uh, I th- 
something to do with uh i mean everything's digitally programmed now so you can design it on the computer and then it automatically cuts it well, for you yeah this I've was happening that. this was happening like towards the end we had cnc machines which is exactly what you're talking about but we're talking 3d printers we're mm. talking we're talking plastic molding we're talking literally robot programming that's happening so now cdt is almost like you get your phone You'll like this, Shaq, because this is your world. You'll have an app. Mm. You press the app, you can do whatever you want. <laughs> and also, the other thing that's blatantly an alien invention, just to leave this all with you, is whoever came up with the idea that you can have a one-touch control for all of your home electrics and gas <laughs> yeah, and everything like that. I want that so, <laughs> want so that? badly. Like, on my phone, being... Like, one of the things they marketed was that you can switch on your heater before you get home. So when you get home, it's already warm. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I need it. I need it. <laughs> I would love, and this is the thing to leave you all with this in your head when you're listening to this around the world. In most places in the world, this, this totally makes sense. Mm. It streamlines the idea if you're in New York City, if you're anywhere in the USA, in a big city, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Apartment life, all of yeah. this stuff. If you're in Japan, makes sense. Unless you're in rural Japan, then it really doesn't because mm. everything's quite analog. Mm. Can't really set the coals of burn, you know. Yeah. But in the UK, we have such an eclectic system. Mm. Some of the boilers are ancient, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, radiators. Our house, for example, here. Mm. I really want to challenge these companies that are claiming, <laughs> if you do the switch reverse, we'll just give you the one button yeah. app. Nah, no, 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 no. Unless it's about video. three million quid, mate, and you redo my house from scratch, <laughs> you ain't gonna do it for nothing. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Go on, you've got a point. Because you talked about three D printers and uh, you know that issue. I mean, three D print- printers basically use plastic, and plastic yeah. is a big problem in today's sort of like waste uh, issue. I wanted to shout out to uh, Precious Plastic. You can Google Precious Plastic. Basically, it's a guy who's designed this technology where you can you can build it yourself at home and it's uh free so you can get the designs for free and build at home and it creates a machine that breaks down plastic bottles or Mm. you know things that you would throw away and it would go to the waste site it breaks it down and you can use it as a resource to create things so like crafts or you know recycling Mm. plastic in your own house and i think that's an amazing strong yeah little who's that um his name's Bob Terry and he lives in Billy Bob Terryland. <laughs> no, we're, we're going to get to you in a minute. We'll give you the shout in a minute. Wynn's just doing her checks. And you cut, can all listen. I'm going to cut this. No, she'll listen to this. This is good. This is real life right here. <laughs> the other thing that aliens must have developed yeah. is certain food types. Food types? Yeah, like Twinkies. Oh, yeah. Because that ain't from this planet. Yeah. That was designed to kill humans. So, uh, well, I think that was designed for the cockroaches to eat at the end of the world because <laughs> it'll live with them. <laughs> Nothing else will. That'll still be going. Yeah, I think um, I, I'm pretty sure they did a science experiment on how long a Twinkie could last for, mm. and they never came up with an answer. They didn't. Nah, <laughs> nah, no one's lived that long yet. <laughs> It's crazy. So it's still but, just in a container with microscopes. Yeah, I think that's what we should be running our cars on, to be honest. Go! Okay, so uh, the guy who who created... She's back. I'm back. There you go. The guy who created uh, Precious Plastic is Dave Hackens. Uh, I believe he's from the Netherlands. And uh, yeah, check it out. He has videos on YouTube, how to set up your own plastic recycling well, workspace. See, I'm really glad you mentioned Holland, mm-hmm. Netherlands. Holland, Netherlands. 
Someone will correct me. Netherlands for sure. Yeah. Okay. Because I've, we focus quite a lot on the UK, focus on the US, we focus on Japan. But in Europe, especially the Netherlands, yeah, are really good with technology. There's they're, a lot of They're really movements. good with sustainability. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, green movement mm-hmm. as well, you know, and also Norway. I mean, Scandinavia as a whole, Sweden, Norway, all of these places, there's some really exciting stuff coming out in this world right now. And China's really good at emulating all of it. So I think China's rushing to get in on the innovation too. So it's an exciting world to be in with technology, mm. you know? China's doing a massive solar panel uh, implementation. Yeah. Yeah. And we're going to keep this going for a little bit longer. This is called an encore. <laughs> because I wanted to tell Shaq on the story of robots. Actually, China's ahead of Japan on one thing. What's that? A fully automated robotic cafe. Okay. Where you walk in and robots serve you and do the meals for you. And I saw this on a BBC program. So it's got to be true. Do you know where in China this is? It's one of the I can't pronounce places in China. (laughs) It's a region of China. Very good region of China. Mm. With an unpronounceable name. Um, I think it's it's pronounceable. I mean, if you gave it to the Chinese to pronounce it. Yeah, yeah, of course. But I'm not going to because I'll mess it up. And that's a technology in itself, the Chinese language. Mm. So, yes, just to stay clear, um, there is a lot of innovation all over the world. A lot of the, uh, I think... We're in a time where we're focusing so much on corporate innovation, but it's actually the indie movement that I think is really worth a shout out. Wynn's just mentioned a name in that movement. Mm-hmm. Very awesome concept. A lot of that's happening, in, in especially in Netherlands. Um, we've witnessed a lot of that. Creativity is popping up. The indies are there, the green movements. All of the, uh, what would we say, Kickstarter generation mm. and the, the grassroots programs. It's really exciting for that. Just a nod out to all the champions. Yeah. Get to inventing and get to technology because, man, the mm. future's bright. And whoever comes up with teleports, <laughs> just hope they don't turn me into a fly. <laughs> so, that's us done. Got mm-hmm. anything more to add, Shaq? No, that should be about it. Very good. And you're okay. So, over to Wim for the wrap-up. Don't forget to watch Project FIA on Amazon.co.uk and Amazon.com. Our YouTube channel is FIA Gets Tubed. Feel free to comment and also reach out to us on Twitter. Our handle is Project FIA.